bringing this meeting of the Dwight Schultz fan club to order. It's V'ger, please. A hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your evil hologram, Peter. Is it really evil or just merely more charismatic? Hmm. I guess well, you are you are clearly the more charismatic member of this team, so <laughs> I'm I'm also willing to kill Voyager crew members if needed, so sure. To profit from their nanoprobes. For, for great profits, yes. In what episode of Voyager did that happen, Peter? We watched uh Star Trek The Next Generation Season 8, Episode 3, Under Boobs for Days Part 2. This is this is a combination of many great and terrible things. It comes out wonderful in the end, but uh, that was a very good intro. You summed it up very nicely. Mm-hmm. No, this is uh, season seven, episode six, Inside Man, which, again, I'm not willing to give this any sort of Voyager credit. This is very clearly another Star Trek The Next Generation episode. This is such a Star Trek The Next Generation episode. They have an entire scene where... They describe and dialogue another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation that you didn't get to watch. They're just they're just dipping both hands into the nostalgia bin to say, this show is not doing real well. Let's bring out the stuff that, that people liked. Bring out the big guns. Oh, I would say that is a uh, literal and figurative expression. Sure. There are, whew. I... You said at the end of last episode, when I read the capsule for this one, that this episode had a couple big things going for it. (laughs) I think I know what you mean now. There was a contract shot in that. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, that had to have been, get my tits in this shot. (laughs) I... Let's go have the booby conversation right now, okay? Right off the bat. We gotta have it. Marina Sirtis is in this in is in this episode. I think two things were in her contract. One, I have to shoot half my scenes while I'm on vacation because I'm not coming back to the studio for more than one day. So I got to come out to whatever beach I'm at, and we're gonna have to do this. And two, my tits are looking great today, so I want a shot where I'm in frame. Just you just center on them. I just want everyone to know they're looking good. I watch a lot of Next Gen in my formative years. As and did I. I've, okay, I see where we're going. Deanna Troy was a big part of uh, those Trek experiences. I, too, found out I like women <laughs> and through this experience. had I, I, It is baffling to me that all the internet and everything else that I was completely unaware of the numerous gratuitous Troy in a bikini scenes out there courtesy of this episode like when i saw this i first of all i i, I was like what, what is again what is the connective tissue between deanna troy and barkley that if barkley is present then troy is also in there like i get they have the a connection there i think for this one they're really reaching to involve her so i don't know again the bogo ness the buy one get one <laughs> the buy one get two it's just, <laughs> I really I was, think this. I think it was. Hey, would hey Marina, will you do this? And I was like, I'm in Cabo. You're gonna have to come down here. <laughs> this is really what it felt like. You bring the crew like, down. I'll do it, but I'm not coming back to LA for another I'm not week. Putting a shirt on. Yeah. Um. So that that was was really surprising. I like this episode a lot because it's a next gen episode. Oh yeah. 
it's hokey. A lot to love about it. It's actually more, still more of a Voyager episode than the other TNG episodes we watched. Yeah. There are there's more Voyager content in this TNG episode, but yes, it is a TNG episode. I so I'm, I'm going to be curious to see where you're thinking it's falling flat here. We open up on what I call this episode's B plot which is Tom Paris is an extremely abusive friend. There's a running gag through this episode of how abusive Tom Paris is towards Harry Kim to the point where Tom has turned his now wife into an abusive friend towards Harry Kim. To be fair, I think I would become abusive towards Harry Kim as well. I, I mean, I also would bully him, but that doesn't make it correct. That doesn't make us right. It just... It just makes it so that we're awful. Two wrongs don't make a right. All right, well. So Tom Paris, who is hot off his recent uh, parent guest appearance on Lower Decks, which apparently occurred because uh, Robbie uh, Duncan McNeil did not have time to do a guest spot on Picard, which I don't know what the fuck he was up to. He said no to that. Good taste, but... maybe. <laughs> I mean, I he was busy working on a good television show called Resident <laughs> Alien, which is amazing. So uh, Tom approaches Harry in the hallway and is kind of making fun of the bit where Harry's always the one looking to get letters home and communicate with home and is obsessed with getting home. And Tom's always like not giving a fuck about that. Instead, Tom is clearly making fun of the fact Harry's super obsessive about that by, oh, Harry, did you get the data stream this month? We can't go another month without sending letters home. It's clearly very sarcastic. Well, Harry's like been working all night because he actually does care. <laughs> He's got his coffee like, please leave me alone, you fucking asshole. This is in prison. I don't need you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, good on Harry for being willing to stay up and, and work on things. Usually, you know, I would say the Harry's a sleepy little boy subplot comes up fairly frequently specifically when he's working with <laughs> balana torres but in the case where he's working with seven and nine he's willing to burn that midnight oil as well he should i will say that this is a nice this episode's got a lot of nice continuity on a number of different levels one this is building on uh the episode we watched last week where they actually used the data stream as a plot point that's how the brains all got infected uh tuvox uh, I'm sorry, two, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago when, when Tuvok decided to mind meld all the Maquis and turn them into terrorists one more time. Uh, so w- we caught up with the fact that, oh yeah, they're in regular contact with Starfleet every month now. So this is a plot point that's been recurring in the background. So we, we start to get a sense of the fact that Voyager is communicating key information back to Starfleet not just about their crew members, but also about the status of their mission, the things that they've encountered. Certainly they're talking about the the, the Pathfinder Project communication, yeah. monthly communiques. That's a big one. There's a lot of self-referential uh, discussions, specifically dunking on um, the many times that Voyager has gotten close to an easy way home and backed yeah. off. We get some relationship drama in here. The, the, um, the key part of the B-plot is that Tom Paris is the most self-aware member of the Voyager crew. Tom Paris is the one who has foremost in his brain every time Voyager has gotten stolen on when they were on the doorstep to home. And has come to accept that their fate is that shit is never going to work. 
they are always going to get flummoxed by the idiot security guard that can't restrain restrain a Ferengi while they're next to a wormhole. You know, like, whatever it is, they're always going to get punched in the face. It even gets mentioned in this episode, uh, the the Moriarty, or not Moriarty, the, um, oh, the goddamn Captain Ahab and... Uh, Oh, the telepathic pitcher plant that was giving them visions of home right before it ate them. Uh, Bliss, there's this Arturus right. who was totally right to try to feed them to the Borg. Right, but but Bliss specifically, the terrible cosmic horror world eater or whatever the fuck that thing was, would like infect people and make them believe like, oh, your wildest dreams are coming home. True, you're coming home, right? But it was like seven of nine and Naomi Wildman who both didn't give a shit about going home that were immune to charms and like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Like, I feel like like Tom is leveled up into that. Like Tom's like, I don't really actually care if we ever get home or not because I'm probably going to go back to space prison. So, (laughs) well, it's uh, it's it's a reflection of the story arc actually to reference. You and I just recently recorded an episode for our patrons on Battlestar Galactica centered mostly around Razor. Uh, the TV movie that came before the start of season four as a way to talk about the show. But there's a similar plot point in that show, which is Hilo, the Raptor uh, ECM that winds up like getting married to Athena and having a kid and like building a whole life after the apocalypse. And like his life got better. Like it's similar for Tom where like his life before bad shit happened sucked now it's great he's an officer on a starship again he's a trusted pilot he's the medic he's married to his hot uh you know mechanic wife who he like, can emotionally abuse at will along with his friends he's like, just getting away with murder left and yeah, right this is Life's great good. he's the cool kid on campus in this on this ship and the longer they're in the delta quadrant the longer he gets to enjoy that life but we find out that uh there was an issue with the transmission that came in the previous month. Um, they weren't able to, to grab or decode it. And they're running into some problems with this month's transmission from Starfleet. So we got Harry and seven working away at this. And Harry starts to discover like, Hey, this isn't the normal mailbag we get. This is a hologram. They beam it to the holodeck. They blow out some relays to do it. You know, some standard, uh, uh, possible IEDs under some that consoles. That fucking thing is quite the explosion too. Like seven and nine is like whoa, and he's like, yeah, yeah, no big deal. And it's like, yeah, because you weren't standing at that console, you might be. <laughs> Whatever your Borg shields will take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was talking about Harry. Harry might be getting another body jettisoned out into space. They put the holo- the hologram in the holodeck, and who should appear but is the uh, the the visage of Reginald Barkley? But we know immediately. That not only is this a holographic Reginald Barkley, it is not a 100% accurate recreation of the man we've grown to love, uh, because he is confident. He has got that tenor in his voice that comes with knowing all the answers and being comfortable in front of a crowd. Basically, it's the nega Barkley, you know? Yeah, like it's the, It is the reverse Barkley. <laughs> and that immediately gives you that sense of something's not right here. This... Mm-mm. No, no, this is not Reginald Bar. This, this something's fucky. This is fucky. The first act of the episode after the teaser is essentially this Barkley hologram shows up and spills out what seems to be the normal Trek plot, which is 
We got you guys a ride home. We're going to do some bullshit with some red giant stars. We're going to build like a fucking Stargate between two points and the Delta Quadrant and the Alpha Quadrant. You're going to be home in three days. Isn't that going to be great? It's going to be perfect. There's definitely not going to be any aliens who are raw with some pyramids and shit and staffs that shoot bolts of lightning. Not going to happen. When he's describing, like, what's the fastest uh, distance between two points? Folding space, I'm like... Uh, he's straight up pitching him on Event Horizon. Yes! <laughs> and Tuvok Guys, we just go through a hell dimension. It's fine. Tuvok's been there. Tuvok has vivid memories of it, we know. Um, man, what a different episode this could have been, right? Hey, we got some advanced telemetry from another ship that did make it back called the Equinox. And we're going to show you how to fold space. And all you got to do is sacrifice some indigenous species and uh and off you go yeah i don't know if you guys know this you've been in the delta quadrant a long time but we fought some wars so now we're evil so we're gonna (laughs) gonna change things up a little bit okay we've decided to cut some corners we got in a fight with the mirror universe and they won and now we all got these sashes and we're gonna get you home like tomorrow we've learned some lessons harsh but fair ones (laughs) so uh you know he comes on the ship it's super confident original barkley he is telling the plan oh you think you're gonna get irradiated don't worry we're gonna do inoculation so you don't get cancer we're gonna give you some better shields and we're gonna you're gonna go through the stargate you guys are the best You're, you're the best crew ever um you know he's got every question answered there's just all of this confidence that is 100% not Barkley is oozing off of him. Dwight he Schultz starts, is the fucking man. He is so good at playing Nega Barkley and Barkley in the same episode. He starts listing off their recent like accomplishments. Like, if there's any other crew, I don't think you can make it. You beat the Borg. You did this thing. You did that thing. And he's just going down the list of um, accomplishments. And I'm thinking, like, hmm. I wonder if any of the data streams Janeway bothered to mention that the uh, Maquis all got re-radicalized again. Mutinied. Uh, Dear sh- Admiral so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> About my terrorist crewmates. <laughs> Today, they reactivated and put me in the brig, and then my brainwashed chief of security tried to shoot me in the head with the phaser, but it was broken. Things are great. Signed, Kathy. Everybody is kissed and made up. We're all cooled out. Can't wait to come home. The you know he gets the mobile emitter from the doctor, who's the only person who's met Reginald Barkley. Like he's actually met the real one. Uh, so he's a little like suspicious. That's like the basis of his suspicion of like you're not Reginald Barkley. <laughs> you're not close. Not anywhere near close. And uh, you're left with this impression that something's messed up about the situation, but the hologram is not giving anything away to the crew who don't know him. And then you cut back to Earth at the Pathfinder building where Reginald Barkley, the real one, is doing his actual Reginald Barkley thing of being an obsessive compulsive over shit not working and not going wrong, uh, not going right. And uh, he's tried to send this hologram two months in a row to Voyager and it failed. And his boss, Commander Pete, Pete Harkins, the most chill boss in the universe. 
a boss so chill that when he reprimands you and forces you to take a vacation, he immediately offers his beach house to give to you. To be like, and this stay. is after you directly disobeyed him and uh, broke all of the rules and led Starfleet security through a run and gun in the holodeck. No, 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 no. That's not... There's no penalty because of Starfleet Regular General Order Number Two. If it's Starfleet General Order Number Two, if your insubordination results in the positive thing that everyone wanted, it is immediately forgiven. Compounded with that flagship privilege. I mean, obviously, when you serve on the Enterprise, you get you get a couple extra stars. You know, roll off your wanted rating whenever you do something like that. Like at a minimum, you got to start punching like Starfleet security in the middle of Market Street before mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna even get one star. You just go to the pay and spray, and you're fine. So you've got this conflict, right? Because yet again, it's Barkley who is following his nose, and it always knows the plot truth that there's something. There's something just outside of sight right now. But then you got Commander Pete like, listen, man, we gave it the uh, the old college try. It didn't work. Admiral Hayes is pissed that we've now squandered two. Admiral Paris. Paris, my bad. Uh, we've squandered it's... two uh, opportunities to communicate with Voyager and we're not going to do this hologram thing again. And then uh, Barkley starts rolling out the, the, the paranoia mat. Maybe it's the Borg. Maybe it's the Romulans. Who else does he throw the blame at? He, he basically throws the blame on everything. He interrupts a bunch of adorable school children who apparently get to tour the uh, super secret Starfleet communications facility. Uh, you know, like, it's the Borg! Try you, like, right in front of them because it's just to show off how very little social skills Barkley has. Um, and eventually, Commander Pete's like, bro, um, I know that you're like a hyper genius at all this stuff, but you're going to have to take a couple weeks off. You've... <laughs> You're done. And we're going to handle sending it. You just, you need to chill out. Here's my sister's beach house. Why don't you go? Why don't you go someplace else? You need to relax. And, uh, and then we get this, uh, what will become one of many, many creepy Barkley smiles throughout this episode. As, uh, he starts to formulate and plan and says, no, I've got a place I can go, but it's, it's somewhere else. My assumption at this point was he was just going to get a runabout or something and fly out to this point because he's got a theory that his signal is being intercepted at a specific point in space. Correct. He's identified where he thinks the problem is. I thought he was going to go out there and do some, you know, Scooby-Doo poke around the mystery, you know, Scooby squad himself. Instead, he ends up on a fucking beach dressed like a clown. We'll get to that. We do have a reveal back on Voyager first, which is, they finally do start give away what the actual game is. Doctor is starting to figure out that like the information that the hologram is giving may not be a hundred percent on the level. Cause like the medicine that they've created to prevent the radiation from killing everybody wouldn't be good enough based on his tests. And you know, the Barkley holograms working the charm, right? Like that's his super weapon. His super weapon is he's just laying it on thick He's just perfectly charming. He does this whole routine where he does impressions in the in the in the mess hall of Janeway and Tuvok to the point where you could tell he you could tell Dwight Schultz did the scene doing the dialogue. And then they had Kate Mulgrew overdub based on how he played it. It's very well done, right? Like 
it's, it's this whole dialogue about Tom Paris eating all the scrambled eggs. And based on how sassy he looked, like you can tell, like they overdubbed it to match the sass of his physical performance. It tells a whole story about how this hologram was programmed to be everything Reg is not, which is a very Reginald Barkley thing to do. 100% idealized self. It, it's exactly how he would do this because he worships Voyager and he created these fake members of the crew in the holodeck. He would want to impress them, right? So the fake version of himself is just the best possible version of Barkley there could be. They send a, a they send a transmission back to Earth during the window when they can, and that's when you find out the transmission is being intercepted by <laughs> the worst possible antagonists, the Ferengi. <laughs> if there's a weak spot to this episode, I'd say it's this. Like, why them? <laughs> like, I. I, I know that there is a Romulan episode lurking out there, right? And I'm like, wow, this is this really smells of uh of the Romulans. And then you throw fucking low rent Ferengi in there. Like it, it, that just needed to be the Romulans so bad. Like they're the ones that know the most about Voyager, right? Because they've run into them in Eye of the Needle and they ran into them in uh Message in a Bottle. When they yeah. were trying to steal the Prometheus. So they know more than anybody else that Voyager is out there and in the Delta Quadrant. And they have a vested interest in knowing what the fuck they're up to, right? They'd like nothing more than to know that information. So this is a secret Romulan plan, if I've ever heard it. Like, intercept the message, manipulate them with the hologram, convince them to come through so they could just take the ship and the nanoprobes and kill all the crew because they don't fucking care. Like, that is beat for beat what you would expect out of the fucking Romulans. Instead, mm-hmm. it's Tom, Dick, That's and nobody. That's some Shiar Shiar level stuff there. Yes, it is. <laughs> and instead you got Tom, Dick, and Harry fucking nobody uh, jabroni Ferengi that you've never seen before, are not relevant, and are just the sad throwaway you know, capitalism kills pastiche that they are. It sucks. The reprogram that they did on Reginald, I don't want to give it like the Ferengi credit for it because it, it's it's a goofy paired on um, or tacked on pairing. But I, I want to go back to how the Reg hologram manipulates the crew, even through so far as Seven of Nine, who starts becoming critical of the shield enhancements, saying, I don't think that these are going to be good enough. And his distraction to her of like, hey, you know, you don't seem like you're excited like the rest of the crew. Um, her, you know, her moment of continuity that I thought was good was that it's taken the crew a very long time to accept me for who I am. I'm not looking forward to these festivities. I'm not going to any of these welcome home parades. He lays this line on her about like, you know, I didn't want to tell you because it's unfair to the crew, but like out of everyone here. You're the one everybody's the most excited to see. Um, You know, you came back from being a Borg, this and that. You can get nitpicky if you want, because technically Picard did the same thing. You could say, well, Picard was only as we've, you know, had our own conversations. Picard was only a Borg for like an extended weekend. Yeah. Long weekend as the Borg versus a lifetime. Yeah. Which, you know, go ahead and fuck Hugh. (laughs) Yeah, I know that that's the one they miss. Like, no, Hugh did that first. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But the the strong connection there and the strong play in the script is that 
you now embody hope to everyone who has ever lost family or loved ones to the board specifically to the millions who have lost someone to the board like they really like everyone has borne the scars of this wolf right mm-hmm. like they have run hot dick over everyone they have encountered over and over and every time they do they leave a a trail of human suffering in their wake because everyone is someone something right and so and those people are just gone they're drones they're as good as dead if not worse than dead as a consequence of what they are now and you in yourself are an embodiment of the possibility that those people could be returned to them they could be reclaimed they could be helped and that makes you famous because that hope is completely invaluable in the face of an enemy like that. It's a great scene and it's almost a shame. It's kind of like Island in this episode, right? Like I would love an episode about that idea of seven of nine becomes aware of her fame in the alpha quadrant as a reclaimed drone that has reclaimed her humanity. And is like, you like reaches, uh, this this sort of messianic level of oh do you know billy who is my son who is assimilated like can we find him like this whole sort of emotional wave that starts to impact her as she understands the weight of it's not just me anymore it's what i represent to all of these people a whole different dimension for her to explore if this was battlestar galactica not star trek voyager and if you were going to be able to afford persistent screen time to developing something like that i i think you'd really be cooking with fire um, even if you even if it was in the trek model where you're only like it's been an episode on it and it's got to be relatively you know lighter obviously in battlestar galactica would ever be yeah but I, you, you could know, still go there and i think it would still just be a good solid episode in your 26 for the season you know <laughs> listen man you, you jump back to season sucks season six where you could have cut <laughs> 90% of that fucking uh, season and thrown a video of paint drying on the wall and it would have been better than most of those episodes. Um, we've kind of broached the subject before in our previous podcast, like the Necheyev, um edict, right? We destroy the Borg. We destroy the Borg. We do not try to save the Borg. The Borg must be treated like cancer and eradicated at all costs. Don't nurture them like you did with Hugh. That was a you know direct violation. We need to crush these fucking guys and don't let your you idealism know, get in the way of the fact these people these this thing is an enemy we cannot negotiate with. Right, and the sales job that Starfleet would have had to do in vilifying the Borg and saying, "Listen, we can't pull punches with these guys." And yeah, you know we got Picard back, but your husbands, your wives, your sons and daughters, they are gone forever. And there's no coming back and we, we have to stay total worth these guys versus what seven of nine could represent in this capacity as a hope of like, what if, what if we did try to reclaim them? And unfortunately they do broach the subject later on in Picard. With oh, the fucking God. Why is, yeah, you gotta do that, man. You know, Picard's, one of few redeeming values of Picard, I guess you could say, is that they didn't forget Hugh, right? Like this episode, I kind thought of all the reclamation you. project was pretty dope. Yeah, like what the the, the only plot thread in, in in that whole show that I thought was actually really solid was the idea of Hugh has spent the his life on this mission to help 
Borg who have been disconnected or otherwise reclaimed regain their humanity makes perfect sense, right? It's like when we last saw him at the beginning of season seven, TNG, that's already what he was doing. So in the meantime, he's only gotten better at it. He's gotten some more of his parts off and he is a fucking full-time Borg therapist. He's, you know, he's the basically the ambassador of these people to the Federation because he's himself human. So he's a Federation citizen. And like all of that made sense. And the fact that like they wait, like, they, they played, they had that whole plot line kind of lay it out, and then they kind of just like, okay, that's Boot what he was doing. The neck. And you're dead. Like, fuck you. Like, that was the only cool thing you fucking did. That's why I had to go with the boot knife to the neck. Ugh. Those telltale shiar shiar scamps. Um, so, yeah, the Reg hologram does a great job of buttering everyone up and playing the hopes that are already circulating here, right? Seven of Nines got concerned the shielding's not good enough. Hey, it's a multi-layer plan. We know the shields aren't going to be 100% effective. That's why we're laying it with the medicine. And the medicine's not good enough for the doctor. But hey, listen, we got shields. We got warp bubbles. We got, you know, there's all the Starfleet's behind this. um, And he's basically just gaslighting them that, you know, this thing might seem a little rickety, but there's certainly a strong thread of hope. And uh, there's enough doubt to the the validity of the plan, uh, the criticism of the plan, that we're going to be able to squeak this one by. And then, yeah, uh, pull back the fucking curtain and the Wizard of Oz is three stupid frig. <laughs> Yeah, that's my only that's my only real complaint. So I'll, I'll grant the episode that it's their choice of antagonist is the only spot where I'm really going to knock points off. But now yeah. we finally arrive. At, at the promised land <laughs> the huge tracts of land that apparently is some beach that is i just looked it up actually was like santa monica so this was in the la area of course. and and uh it it does not say in the script apparently what it was supposed to be but all of the set dressing and makeup was supposed to suggest it is riza okay which makes sense right like because that's fucking Will Riker's favorite place to go is, is Ryza. So where is he going with Deanna? He's going to Ryza. Okay, so if this aired November 8th, this, this aired after Insurrection. They are together. They're not yet married. Because because okay. uh, Nemesis comes out in 2002. Okay, all right. So yeah, they're just, uh, they're not married. They're just openly swinging on Ryza. She got in early to like warm the bed up for him and he's supposed to be showing up later. Uh, and then, yeah, this is, this is where we get creepy stalker. Barkley. Barkley having no social skills decides the, what he needs to do is he needs to uh, use the fact that his therapist mentioned in their last letter that she was going to, to Riza to vacation with commander Riker to uh, just show up and ask for her help while she's on vacation. She is clearly disturbed by uh, and says, this this is bad, Reginald. You should not be doing this. And he's like, I disturbed I, and pulls a piece of fabric up to cover herself up. Yeah, like to, to show her discomfort with Reginald. No, I know you made holograms of this moment. <laughs> I saw them. <laughs> it was Will, years ago, but the Will, memory remains. <laughs> Will fucked them. Wow, yeah. I was there. It was a threesome with myself. After it's the 24th century. We can do whatever we want. 
after they heavily reprimanded uh, Barkley for making the sexy doppelgangers, did the rest of the crew pillage his work and use it for their own? I'm going to say because it's Enterprise, no, probably not. Like Only on that ship would that not happen. God, could you imagine trying to pull some shit like that with Picard as, with real Picard as your boss? The fucking dressing down you'd get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your your grandchildren would be stooped in shame oh. after that. Like TNG era Picard in all of his glory, finding mm-hmm. out about that. You would just get a whip and start just yelling, Degenerates! Shame. <laughs> shame! Game of Thrones shame march. So uh, uh, we, get a, we get a scene with the beach walk and talk this is where we get the either marina certis insisted or the producers insisted that she be in a very low-cut bathing suit with both uh, the ladies in full view of the camera is square in the shot lingering move no. over jerry ryan boob shots because there's a new sheriff in town it's- we haven't had a gratuitous tna shot like this since season four Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. To Troy's credit, she starts cutting through the neuroticism that Barkley's putting out and somehow navigates towards like the actual um, problem at hand, right? Yeah, Uh, there's a whole sequence where he's trying to dodge the question by recounting that TNG episode we didn't get to see, which was apparently Jordy's awesome birthday party, (laughs) where everyone gets invited, Reg Reg is singing a duet with Data, you know, everyone's proud of him, he's having this like real triumphant moment, and uh, it's all a smokescreen for him not trying to talk about his girlfriend who we find out left him. He continues going on about how he thinks that there's um, phantoms out in space that are intercepting the transmission. As we said before, he pitches around Borg, Romulan, some of the other theories. And she continues to kind of harp on Leosa's her name, right? This Correct. teacher that he was dating. And, uh, you know, you could tell he's pretty distraught about it, but Troy, you know, using some of her empathy here, right? Uh, says, well, hey, how much did you tell this lady? <laughs> Troy's like, listen, I'm not some fucking uh, some one off uh, character here. Like I went through seven years of these exact kind of shenanigans. I can smell plot. OK, and there's plot I was, at I was literally here. kidnapped and had to impersonate a Romulan spy to survive. Mm-hmm. I I know what deception looks like. Reggie boy, you got got. <laughs> uh, Some beautiful blonde was super interested in your work and just thought you were the greatest. Oh, oh, Reginald, I, I, I actually know you. So that that is a big press X to doubt. We need the scene where like they cut over like back in time office style to that party where Leosa was there and uh I don't know, Troy standing there talking to Worf or something, looking at the stacked blonde and be like, Yeah, that's totally a spy. <laughs> I might be an empath. <laughs> I don't need any special skills to know you, Reginald Barkley, cannot hit that. <laughs> it's Troy talking with Crusher, and they're just looking at this lady like, 
Mm-mm. Does that look like that's a? I mean, what a, what an opportunity for like some uh, lower decks moment, like the cartoon lower decks, like start going through like all the different doppelgangers. This could be like why this very attractive woman would be interested in um, in closet perv, uh, Reginald Barkley. So that's a uh, character, by the way, that should show up on lower decks, Reginald Barkley. Yeah, and then bring him on. I would endorse that. I would endorse that. I would. I, I think there's a, a synergy there that's yet to be explored. <laughs> I agree. So she's like, listen, you know, how much did you talk to her about work? And he starts to open up. And and yes, Reginald is aware of the fact that like the 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 lurking variable in all of his um, conspiracy theories is the fact that he did dish out all the details on what he has been doing to this woman who has disappeared into thin air to the point where her apartment is gone and all the possessions that were inside it are completely vacated and she has dropped off the face of the map completely. I was expecting her to be some sort of like holographic trick, right? Like he fell in love with a hologram that played him or something weird like that. But in fact, uh, once Admiral Paris gets involved because they report what happened, they... (laughs) I know you wouldn't know this from previous episodes on Earth, but Starfleet security is actually pretty good. Maybe <laughs> they're, they're, you know, it wasn't actively incompetent, you know, as it is on Voyager and not laughably stupid as it was when <laughs> when Ensign Harry Kim merely needed to uh, go out a fire escape while his girlfriend stood there very determined to stop those mean starfleet security officers and then you know tom paris could just show up and punch one there's just people in the 24th century just unprepared for violence just don't know what to do like what is this there was a scene and i forget what it was someone's wearing sunglasses in the show who was it because it was about it was Barkley. Barkley had sunglasses. That's on. right. Bar- okay, Barkley is the one wearing sunglasses. Like that. That was my big takeaway from that. I guess uh, Admiral Vulcan from Picard wasn't that far out of line for having sunglasses on after all. <laughs> wow, the redemption comes. <laughs> there it is. We finally found it. The one the, other example of uh of sunglasses in clandestine operations. Even Barclays are like actually like sci-fi sunglassy looking things. Flip ups. Not just not not just like just straight up Ray Bans. But <laughs> uh Troy convinces Barkley, like, listen, you gotta come clean. Go to Admiral Paris. I'll go with you. Cause he doesn't want to, because it's gonna be humiliating, right? Like mm-hmm. I accidentally got got. Like, no, Reg, we all know you're kind of dumb <laughs> when it comes to people. No one will be shocked. And no one will think less of you. We already don't think much of you when it comes to these things. Again, Red, we all saw her with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, Commander Pete, me, uh, Admiral Paris. We were all at the party. We all knew she was way out of your league. Like, this is a group, <laughs> this is a group failure. We thought she was just going to kill you or, like, steal all the salt out of your blood. Nobody... Nobody would have thought it would have got to a point where you're compromising, you know, communication with the Admiral's I, son. I would, lo- I just, I would love there the scene to have been like they go to Admiral Paris's office and be like, "We have something to tell you about security." He's like, "Oh, is it the blonde woman that you were dating is secretly a spy? We suspected that already." She like presses a button, she's beams in. <laughs> like we had a target <laughs> lock six months ago. We knew that shit could not be true. 
we put a subdermal <laughs> communicator on her. She had no idea. This is Earth. This is after the Dominion War. We are very serious now. <laughs> That's an excellent point. I also want to go ahead and point out at this junction, Troy gets a lot of shore leave. She, well, you know, okay, here's the thing. All Starfleet officers actually do get a lot of shore leave, as as is reflected in the dialogue here, that Barkley has like 50 or 60 days worth or says something crazy like that. It's that Troy actually takes her vacation. All the rest of these fucking doped up workaholics never want to get away from the ship because they're on their antidepressants in between space disasters. And they're like, no, work is great. I want to go to work. Whereas Troy, because she's the one dispensing the drugs and has telepathic powers, is like, I'm getting the fuck off this ship as often as I possibly can to whatever beach I can find so I can find a moment of rest in between this crazy shit that keeps happening. So that's why she's off the ship, because she's actually self-aware of the danger. My boyfriend's coming out and we're sticking Picard with like half of his bridge crew missing now. (laughs) (laughs) I thought the interrogation of Leosa was kind of weak. Leosa, by the way, like just in case Troy in the bikini was not enough for you, Leosa's fucking hot too. Oh yeah. This is a 90s hottie slash 90s floozy to the absolute max. Between her, Troy, and uh, Seven of Nine, man. She kind of looks a... a little bit like Emma Stone. Obviously not, but uh, uh, had, a, had a similar look. I got a little chasing Amy off of her. Okay, yeah, I buy that too. They start the line of questioning. You got Admiral Pete, you got um, Barkley in there, you got Admiral Paris, and Troy sitting in on it too. And she starts dancing around through the questions. Oh no, he's boring. I didn't care for him. Blah, 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 nor ulterior motive. And then. Oh, and she's not a teacher. She's a Davo girl. Very key difference, uh, which is actually explained for the benefit of the audience is that she's basically a gambling wench, which is true. Uh, this is something that if you watch DS9, very well known to you. So uh, not new information for Trek, but uh, critical for this episode. And a great, you know, uh, bridge builder as to how she got involved with the aforementioned Ferengi. So then Troy goes to clear the room and says, let me talk to her in private. And I'm like, oh, good. Here we go. We're going to see some. We're going to see some interrogation, right? Like Mm -hmm. they never did anything mirror universe in the actual um, uh, film media for next gen. But I read a couple of the books, right? And Troy's a real terror. Right. Every time they've done a mirror universe interpretation of Troy, it's the same thing. Dominatrix interrogator. Right. I mean, every time it's just one variation of that or the other. You don't lie to someone who can read your mind. And, and also in the mirror units, like she's kind of found a way, I think, to like weaponize. Oh, the... of course. Yeah. I mean, she's got mind bullets, right? So I'm like, OK, she's we're going to see like Mama Kitty kind of get her back up about like, how dare you take advantage of my friends? Do you know how long it's taken me to fix this fucking guy to have you come through here? <laughs> And take all of my hard work and put it in the trash, you, you know, streetwalker, fringy hoe bag. Instead, she soft touches the whole thing. Oh, you know, I'm an empath and that I can, you know, understand when you're lying. And it's such a potted plant scene. Like, I... it's not Marina Sardis's energy to get mad on screen effectively, though. It never was like. Even in her best episodes, it is that is not 
where her gears lie. Like, I agree. It would have been great for her to be like, listen, bitch, I know you're lying because I can, I'm an empath. So -hmm. let's cut to the chase. You fucked with my friend and you fucked with a guy who has spent his entire life trying to build himself into a, a, a person that he could be proud of. You fucked all that up. So I'm going to fuck you up. Like I too would have appreciated that. And it would have been very fitting for the situation. And it would have been great a testament to Troy, but that's just not what Marina Sirs is good at at all. I don't know, man. Cause there was the episode since we're talking about next gen, since this is the next gen episode. This is the next gen episode. Yeah. The one where they got um, body snatched by the uh, war criminal cosmic astral projections. Remember it was like her data and was it, wasn't Riker. Who was the third part of that? trio of terror i totally forget this episode to be honest no, I'm, blanking. Come on. I'm blanking shame on you joe yeah anyway she gets possessed it, it's kind of like the same um oregon trail episode where chakotay's lost in space and okay all right yes all right thank you i know which one you're talking about now i mean she was pretty hardcore in that one and and i thought she pulled it off very well i never thought her anger was all of that like I guess maybe I'm spoiled because we had that episode where Kess makes the heel turn and it's super believable. She's just mm. not believable angry. So she does the thing where she's like, I know you're lying. And then you know, it's like, why don't I just falsely imprison you? And she's like, you won't. And she, she's like, yeah, I was I in my bikini <laughs> looking amazing. And now I had to put this goddamn turtleneck back on. So you're going to tell me what I want. And I look amazing in this too. By but, the way. But... <laughs> not the bathing suit i want to be in so i'm just gonna imprison you uh, or you can tell me what i want to know and she comes out with like all the details of like no reginald was right it was being intercepted it's by these ferengi here's where their ship is you should go send the ship that's nearby you know let's wrap this up my boyfriend's gonna be getting to rises shortly <laughs> she lets it slip that her payment for being so mean and manipulative to um Barkley is that she was gonna get a 10% cut of the nano probes. Now, up to this point, Starfleet doesn't really know to when end these um these communications are being intercepted. They figure everything is uh pretty harmless. In reality, as the audience has found out, the 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 Stargate method they're going to create here right is that they are going to do something to a red dwarf that is going to fold space and make this moment of uh cosmic teleportation possible voyager ship will get through okay but everybody inside is going to die like for being comically bad villains or whatever these ferengis are in fact fixing to become mass murderers this yeah, is, this is a serious brutal business. murder in exchange for profit. It is a dark thing for a bunch of comic relief villains to be doing. Again, this is why I think the Romulans would have been a better 100% fit here. 100% more believable if it was them. You could buy them not giving a fuck. Or even like, uh, what was Tim Russ's other villainous role he had in Next Gen, where they were stealing the from the barometric sweep across the, the ship, right? Enterprise Mine, remember that? Man, you're the one pulling all of the fucking TNG episodes. I can't remember. Listen, I can't remember fucking Voyager episode titles for shit, but I know my my next gen stuff, right? Um, You know, you've seen some pretty good uh, mercenary, dirty space pirate groups in in the Alpha Quadrant. It's, yeah, the the 
the, the Ferengi being comical, yet also mass murders. Not the best fit here. But, you know, Starfleet's trying to intercept the Ferengi. They don't know really the depth that these guys are willing to sink to. And it's not until Leosa says, yeah, I'm going to get my cut for these nanoprobes that Reginald's finally able to parse together like, oh, wait, they're going to drag Voyager back here somehow. And they're probably going to kill everybody over these fucking nanoprobes. Like, this is a huge problem. Lives are actually on the line now. They don't figure it out until the Stargate is formed. And that's when Reginald puts the last pieces of the puzzle together. Meanwhile, by the way, like the the hologram on Voyager like snaps at the doctor and the doctor like tries to out him and fails as like defective. And so that he kind of passes the last smell test and they get to the Stargate and seven of nine is like, oh, no, this is bullshit. We're all going to die. We can't go in there. And that's when uh, he, he gives her the, the, the shocky touch. You know, a little bit of that shocky energy into her face and then copies her voice because they established previously he could do that uh, to not give away the game that, uh, you know, they're trying to force it through the Stargate where they're all just going to get liquefied on the other side. Let's examine the shocky touch as you've put it, because I don't think this is a shocky touch. The hologram poked her in the fucking brain. Like, yes. We've yes. talked before about all of the wonders possible with holograms. Why is there not holographic ships? Why is there not a holodeck on the bridge? So when the bad guys beam in and start pointing phasers, you don't just like holographically place bullets in their brains or all this other stuff. Like this him- episode would suggest that the doctor could resist any attempted boarding by literally going through the ship and just karate chopping all of the brains of those just who are trying straight to up slappers only gold knife. <laughs> It's pow, pow. The slapper's pow. only one shot kills. That's that is where he would live his life. Just like giving people aneurysms until Just you know the Vedians are defeated. Flicking them right in the pituitary gland. I mean, we've seen this before, right? That one uh squirrely hologram, the holographic janitor, uh grabbed Taurus by the fucking heart. Yes. Yeah, this 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 is suggesting that. All you need, you don't need a security team. You just need one hologram with Colonel uh, Campbell protocols installed. You just like, need one hologram with an index finger. They just <laughs> <laughs> just make one holographic Bruce Lee. This is like go for headshots. Go, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So pretty hardcore. He knocks her out. Um, I will also again begrudgingly. It's crazy that a, a one-off kind of zany adventure like this could put so many big wheels in motion, specifically tying into Picard plots. Because again, the discussion of the nanoprobes and their high value, right, yeah. does lay that uh, a very valid plot ground point that there's big money in the black market on these um, stolen implants. And turns out Borg fairy dust can bring people back from the dead. As we saw, like they even referenced, like they, they, they know called that. it. They fucking called when they, when he said like, Oh, you know, the million and one wonderful things you can do. It brings people back from the dead. Like I was willing to let that Neelix spiritual journey. Heaven isn't real episode. Kind of just fly as a one-off. Um, threshold 
Tuvix moment to never kind be like discussed. a space spider island we had post death revival protocols you know like oh federation necromancy sweet like we had to kind of let that go because it was you so gotta absurd. let it go because you've right. now broken the fucking premise of like half the plots out there of, oh my god someone died and we're we, we can't bring back when they specifically call out that you can bring people back to life uh <laughs> it's like what what TV show am I watching now that it's, it's they, they've caught up to like all, all the misses they've had for like continuity reference. I feel like they made up in one episode almost. Yeah, they really nailed every single reference they made. So this brings us to, I guess you would call the kind of climax of the episode, which is they got to try and prevent Voyager from going through this thing. There's no hope of stopping it on the Voyager side. The holographic Barkley has figured out you know, has run his game and he has figured out the weak points and he's making it happen. So they've got to close it from the other side. And that's when they come up with, Oh, we're going to send a message to the Ferengi Marauder. That is going to be actual Barkley looking like he's on Voyager saying you need to close this, this gate because Voyager found out that they also figure they also have special technology that is going to allow them to come through the gate and they have, and he just like starts phage making torpedoes. Sh- yeah, phage torpedoes, erosion hunting sensors. Like they're going to find you and they're going to kill you. Like th- literally the threat is Captain Janeway is going to murder you. Close the gate. Do not let her come through. She's pissed. This is the second week part of the episode for me. Like, d- Is the Reg hologram supposed to be as confident as it is? Or was that the Ferengi? Uh-huh reprogramming it to be more effective at being able to con people that's a good question they don't say for sure they definitely note that the ferengi changed this hologram but they don't say if it's if its confidence was entirely invented by them because they've had a month to fuck with this thing and the guy even pats himself on the back like well you know i did a better job programming this thing than i thought i did uh, the notion that super timid, chokes under pressure, Reginald Barkley is able to, on the fly, con three Ferengi, which are supposed to be incredibly uh, shrewd, conniving conners, yeah. that he's going to stand there like basically trembling, looking all awkward and completely not at all like the confident projection of Reg and be like, uh, no, hey. Scrap your whole plan, phage torpedoes, bad stuff. Uh, yeah, because like, fucking silly. It, it's not. It would as have been agree- better if it would have been better if Reginald knew that he programmed that to be confident. They had to fake it. Of like, I have to absu- assume my idealized form for a moment and sell it. There right? needed to be the pep talk coming from uh, Troy. Yeah, hey, like you can do this. This is important. You can do it. Don't focus on anything. I've seen you in the holodeck before. I know you're capable of this. Like that need if if you're gonna tie these two characters together to the degree you do, and this is gonna be the last Marina Certis episode, this is the last time we're gonna see Troy in Voyager. This needs to be like kind of one of her her grand accomplishments at the end is to empower Reginald to be able to pull off a con like this. Yeah. And and it it's a miss. Instead, it's kind of this weird why would they believe this? Well, they do. They cut the beam off. They well, don't the get in. Ferengi and Voyager are stupid. Do you not remember false prophets? The Reginald 
Barkley hologram attempts to escape with seven of nine anyway. Uh, but uh, Harry captures both back in time before the uh, escape pod uh, goes back through with a liquefied born corpse on the other side. And uh, the Frankie do the, oh, no, no prophets. Sad face. We didn't murder everyone. It's pretty goofy. Yeah, it is. Whatever. It's the only bad part of the episode. I, so like, this, what else do you say? <laughs> this was written by Robert Doherty, who I'm looking at his writing critics. I, I would have thought this was Biller or, or some of the other more self-referential writers here. Uh, because, again, this guy goes deep in the stuff he starts invoking here. Uh, this guy did Vis-a-Vis, which was uh, choking as a two-way street, which one of my personal favorites. Indeed. Bliss. So Dirty shout out to himself. Yep. Which one was Riddles? It was a crappy Tuvok one, wasn't it? Oh, Riddles was a Simple Jack episode, wasn't it? Hmm. Hold on. Robert no, Dory. that was the Tentacle Monster one. The Invisible Tentacle Monsters. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one we Which never was, saw. That was a Simple Jack episode, yeah. It's it's like they're two separate entities, like the whole story of... There's of the one Tuvok. with Fox Mulder, and there's the one with Tuvok. There's yeah, there's there's Tuvok having to reclaim his friendship through uh through Neelix, and there's invisible tentacle monsters and all the implications there. Uh Tuskanasuke, Ashes to Ashes, Lifeline, Imperfect Ooh, he did Imperfection. No, Imperfection was a good one. We like that. Critical care. This guy's got some strong Uh oh, I see a Q2 in there. No, no, don't look. Don't look. The horror's yet to come. And uh, Endgame. So this guy's got some uh, some chops to him. I, I like his style, and I look forward to seeing almost all of the rest of his stuff, minus that Q episode, because I'm scared of that. But um, There's two uh, wrap-up scenes in this episode. The first is on Voyager, where Tom Paris just, like, spikes the ball and what an abusive friend he is. <laughs> By coming down harry's old dad he's gonna eat his pie you know and balana and tom go down you know, like it's okay buddy you'll get home someday and he's like all right just to cheer you up you know we heard from an iconian uh, scientist who has a gateway that can take us anywhere in the galaxy i don't know it might fall through but you know here's I think to we'll hope be home in a week and fucking balana like also like tries to sell the lie of course like harry's stupid enough to believe it for a second and they make fun of them because they're terrible friends. And uh, <laughs> I thought it was a good scene. I, I thought Harry's. Uh, it's very defeat. appropriate for their characters, but like Harry's. Yeah, Tom's a piece of shit. But yeah. I, listen, I'll give Garrett credit on good scenes when applicable. And this is one of those blue moons where it was uh, a good. I, I felt his frown sold well. Uh, and I also like to talk about the cake. I'm sorry, it was supposed to be what? apple pie that neelix made him and instead it looks like green snot yeah it was not an appetizing looking pie we'll say that and then the last uh scene is actually at pathfinder where barkley is trying to reprogram his hologram again of course so it doesn't get tampered with in the future and and deanna's like listen why don't you come with me and will we're gonna go out to dinner Will is literally bringing you a date because we know you're hopeless. 
She's actually a teacher. We screened her through Starfleet security first. Not a Dabo girl. But she is a big hoe bag if she knows Riker. I mean, this is the 24th century. There is literally no Vista where Will Riker has not conquered something. The man is so potent. He turns androgynous aliens into women. Uh, It was a good episode. It was a fun one. It's a nice send off. Again, I think the only way to really balance out the, the bikini Troy would have been with the fierce interrogator. Troy, even if it was just like some Luxana sass in there, there needed to be something to punch up those scenes with her kind of putting her foot down on this lady's nonsense. But uh, good plot. It could use stronger villains, but uh, as is, I think everything worked well here and it was a fun one, a very fun one to sit through for multiple it reasons. Was. It was. It was the most voyagery of the TNG episodes, had the most Voyager content, kind of felt like there was much more connective tissue going on there and it felt like it was earned and built in a way that that was cool uh uh, but still i mean this is really going back to a well that is successful in its implementation for three reasons uh dwight schultz is just an a plus actor way better than the material sometimes he's given he elevates it he's just so good at playing this character that he when he plays the evil opposite version of it it's also a delight to uh just where they really managed to use the continuity of the show effectively in a way that was snappy and not like dragged it down in any way. And three, all our, all of our teenage lusts mm-hmm. were rewarded just one last time. Got that one last, one last bit, you know, of like this one's for you boys. Thank you, Marina. You've been a sir. The service to our, our our nation has been has been noted, and we thank you for it. What are we watching next week, Peter? Coming up next, season seven, episode seven, Body and Soul. Can't really tell what's going on on the screen. When attacked by a species that detests holographic beings, Seven of Nine downloads the doctor's program into her implants. <laughs> this one. <laughs> Oh, the phrasing there. This one <laughs> is awesome. It is not a deep episode. Well, no, it does have some like deep cuts, I guess. This is one of the fucking funniest damn episodes of the show. Probably only second to Bride of Chaotica. Mm. It is comedy for the most part and extraordinarily good. And you will see why. Seven of nine downloading the doctor's program into her implants. Oh, there's, oh, it's good. It's good. It's good stuff. You'll enjoy this. After these beach scenes, I'm, I'll, I'll take all the implants I can get. All right, Joe. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Vija. Please have a voyage to the Delta Quadrant. You can find us on all of our socials under that name, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, email us at that at gmail.com. Rate us wherever it is you download your podcast. We'd actually appreciate that. Join the Vija Police Trauma Support Group if you want to chat us up. We actually really enjoy that. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>